Hello, everybody in podcast land. This is Killer Serials. I'm Tony Jones. Ryan Parker. A couple dudes with PhDs in theology who like to watch television. Probably the only, probably the only guys, the only two guys with PhDs in theology who like to watch television. You know how many? As much as I do, I know a couple people that watch TV. Not that much, though. I mean, I know a lot of people who have PhDs in theology, and they're like, "I don't own a TV." What's that devil box? (laughs) I'm like, "Hey, have you seen that show?" I don't own a TV. I read books. Well, I mean, I read books too. Just what show, Friends? (laughs) I just don't read them as quickly. Hey, we're talking about The Path. It's on Hulu. It's streaming. And, season two. Uh, season episode two. Episode four. Episode four, which in, in Path parlance they call episode 204. And 204. let me just say this. Hi, my name is Eddie, and I was in a cult. Yeah, but that's now how, that's how this episode I'm totally ends. wrecked on medication. I freaking love it. He starts the, – the episode opens with him – coming out of like a coma from having a Vegas bouncer, you know, like a casino, not Vegas, but a casino bouncer clock him in the face. He comes out of a coma and he ends it at a, at at a, you know, 12 step meeting for people who were in cults. And it's interesting. you, You can tell it's such a threshold for him to say it out loud. Hi, my name's Eddie. And I was in a cult for him to call it a cult out loud is a huge step for him and yeah and so let's talk about a couple that, that things that, his that, arc, that build his to that arc to get there in that in this 45 minute episode is i think a pretty fascinating arc because of course when he comes out of the coma and his girlfriend and his wife are both in the you know come to the hospital room and then he starts talking to a doctor and like He's very obstinate. He, he's like, I don't have a problem. She's like, do you have any mental illness in your family? No. Uh, didn't your brother commit suicide? His brother committed suicide. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. Let's, so as a quick recap of episode four, in case people are listening to this much, uh, later after they watch it, the movement is trying to push Lisa from the IRS to rush through their application for a nonprofit status. And they are using her unburdening tapes, which is basically a glorified confessional, to blackmail her, basically. Yep. At the same time, you have Eddie, as you mentioned, kind of stuck in the hospital wrestling with what he's going to do. And we know what happens at the end of that episode. You have Cal, who's taking on, continuing to take on his leadership roles, and he's lecturing to uh, some of the new members of the movement. And we're going to see, we're going to talk more about that in a minute. As another thing, Hawk is still caught in this limbo, right? He's so fired up about what Cal has to say, but he doesn't know what he wants uh, to do with his life. He chases this girl, but, you know, he's dreaming about this girl that he's just left and all these things. And, bro, you got Andrew Bird, who's like my favorite singer of all time. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I'm like, so, that's listen, freaking Andrew Bird. Yeah. So let's talk about three things. Let's talk about three things that I think – to your point, Bill, to, to Eddie's arc of admitting finally that he was in a cult. There's Cal's lecture, which is about, or his sermon, which is about how with the power of the light, there's nothing you can't do, right? Yeah. That there's nothing in the world you can't change. You can shape your destiny. 
through the force of your will with the light. That's what number and, one. And and everybody else in the world is walking around like a zombie. Yeah. But only people who are Myrists are really in control of their lives. Yeah. And number two is the place that Eddie finds himself between Sarah and the movement and the doctor who interviews him and treats him at the hospital and the rest of the world, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I think that has to do with agency uh, and lack of agency or, or being a kind of a zombie, right? Mm-hmm. Either, either being a zombie in the world or in the movement. Mm-hmm. So talk about that. And then finally, less significantly, but still interesting for our discussion are the collateral damages of our ministries, both on, Yep. People who lead them, people who participate in them, and then the people who are tried uh, are trying to be evangelized into them, right? Mm-hmm. So what I'm thinking about is when Cal buys the big property in New York, or the movement buys the big property in New York to minister to the homeless. In doing so, they kick out the people that live there right. already, right. right? So those are kind of three things. So let's start with the which you liked, like you really wanted to talk about well, this I, notion. I, I of, think, the, of changing the white wall to whatever color you want it to be. I think it's fascinating, that scene. I think it was a pivotal scene. I'm guessing it's a pivotal scene in season two. And it's one of the long... I bet if we timed it out, it's one of the longer scenes in the whole arc of the path thus far. That scene goes on for, geez, seven or eight minutes. It seemed like a long time. So, in other words, I'm saying the writers and Jess... Um, they really committed that that scene was really significant, really important in, in the storytelling. And what it really does is it sets Cal up. You know, it's funny because Cal goes from like um, uh, where you see him right before that is powerless. He's on the front step of Eddie and Sarah's house. He's between the two of them. He says, I want to fix this. I want to be, I want to be part of, the solution of this kind of thing. And then of, you know, whatever's going on with um, Hawk. And then, and then the next thing you see is him. He's in control. He's in control of a group of people. And they are, except for one, you know, Sean is sitting there with his arms, Sean. His arms crossed yeah. and his legs kicked out. And everyone Sean's else, not a happy camper. Everyone else is literally on the edge of their seat. Hawk is actually doing this thing that you and I remember Let's just let's just play act a little bit, Brian. Just pretend like you're a you're a youth pastor at a at the fall retreat, and just start doing a little prayer, and then I'm going to be hawk in that youth group. So I need to be praying, like, dear pray Lord, like please, you're a youth pastor. Yeah, like, Lord, we just hope mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. give us the light. Mm-hmm. Lord, yes. we just. Yes. I just want to keep saying just over and over and over. Okay, hawk uh, as. And Hawk is fired up. Man. Hawk is like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He's that yes, kid. Lord. He's that kid in your youth group. Tall, good looking. Here's the interesting thing, and it and it comes out later. But Hawk is he, he's in that spot in adolescence where he's got the body of a man, but he's got the mind and spirit of a boy. And as we'll talk about in the next, you know, somebody Somebody calls him out on that. Yeah. He calls him a boy. Yeah. And I like it, it. But you think I like it. he is yeah. a boy. He's acting so like talk to, So talk to me about the talk to me about the will. Talk to me about Cal's notion that 
people who have the light can bend the world to there. I thought it was fascinating, you know, when you're when you're watching that scene as a viewer of a show and you're like, Cal is the most manipulative cult leader, but also, you know, and this is I think part of the real brilliance of the show, you don't hate Cal. Like Cal isn't a one-dimensional black hat villain. Cal's a complex figure. He's not get unlike a lot of cult leaders like he's not getting rich personally. No, he likes that. And I think they're they're ending the, you know, towards the end of the first season where we see his troubled background and his relationship with his mother, I think engenders a lot of sympathy for him. That's right. Goes a long way. He's a, he's a, and he's, he's a struggling alcoholic, right? He's, you know, his backstory. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, it doesn't excuse murder, but but of course not. Um, no. You wonder if when Mary says the wall is red, she's the first one who speaks out. Do you think Mary really thinks it's red? We we know that she's maybe not as pure of a believer. Like Yeah. I think it's a I think it's both and for someone like Mary. For Sean who says it's red, no way in hell does he believe it's red. At your senior party for, of your graduation senior party from high school, did they have a hypnotist come in? No, they didn't. Have you been to one of, of have you been to one of those shows? No. I don't go in for that kind of stuff, Tony. Okay, but I'm saying if you were to go to one of those shows, you would see people get up on stage and act like chickens. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. And they're not plants. Sure. Are they really hypnotized? Or are they playing along? Are they playing along out of some kind of social pressure? Or well, is ask, there... that, ask that question about any sort of faith gathering, yeah. certainly a charismatic evangelical faith gathering. Oh, yeah. Are yeah, people yeah. falling in the aisles the or people who raised, are being the healed? Eyes closed, tears streaming down people's cheeks. How yeah, much watch it... Jesus Camp. Have you watched Jesus Camp? Yes, of course, right. Yeah. So how much of it is the, just the pure power of persuasion? And Cal is obviously a very powerful communicator and very persuasive. Yeah. So when, when Hawk says green... I think Hawk might think he sees green. I think so too. I don't think Mary does. I th- yeah. and I don't think Sean does. Yeah. And but Hawk does. It's funny to me that Cal says, "Oh, you can control your own destiny. You can shape your own fate." I don't think those words mean what you what you think they mean, right? right. Because it ceases to become your fate or your destiny. That's what you've done with your life. And I think we'll see. We, I think we've already seen ways that. Life happens to us in ways that we don't control. Life happens to characters in the path in ways they don't control. Now let's let's. They're reacting far more than they're yeah guiding. Well, let's jump to Eddie and that because I mean it's a funny thing that you pointed out to me before we started recording that the doctor at the hospital is like, "You need to take control of your own life. Like you've been in a mind you've been in a mind control cult." Here are these six psychotropic drugs. <laughs> Start taking them to yeah. contr- control your rage, control so, your ADHD, control your PTSD, you know. Eddie is caught in an impossible situation, and I think it's a false choice for him, right? Yeah. He, because it's either the Sarah saying, and Cal, basically, you can control your destiny, right? The power of the light, you can shape your future and bend the world to your will. But yet you have the doctor saying, no, they were controlling your mind. You had no agency. Right. And then Cal saying, if you're out in the world, you're a zombie. 
Well, guess what the doctor says? No, you're not a zombie, but to your point, oh, by the way, here are all these drugs that you should be taking to basically reshape (laughs) your mind. Yeah, I'm going to make you a zombie with psychotropic drugs. Yeah. Because... And I think the the interesting thing about the show, because it's always about belief, right? And that it feels like true belief, that the show's advocating that true belief falls somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah, I think... Or maybe somewhere completely different, I don't know, but but it's not either of those, is it? I, I think you're right about Eddie being in an impossible situation, and it's funny that Eddie comes home and says, I'm not going to take any of these pills. Like, here's here's the thing I would ask if I were, say, Eddie, and I were, you know, in full full control of my faculties, and I'd say to the doctor, like, you want me to get my anger under control? I think I deserve to be angry. <laughs> you know, like this world yeah, is a messed up keep, place. This world yeah. is a messed up place. I was a part of a cult. I'm not with my wife and kids anymore. Um, yeah, I'm going to be angry. You should have these emotions. Yeah. Why are you trying to like give me medicine that's going to make my, that's going to flatten me out? I don't want to be flattened out. It's, it's the equivalent almost of unburdening, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we need to have some burdens, right? That the sense that things aren't as they should be, and I can't just let them go. I guess it's how we hold on to them that matters, right? That shapes our experience now, and our now, emotion. But but what do you think? Okay, so to bring these two scenes together, what do you think of the advice that Eddie gives to Sean when Sean goes and knocks on his door and is like, "I don't think I you're, there's no one I can talk to." Eddie basically says, love is all that matters. Go back and be with your wife. Yeah, she loves you. And I'm like, that's terrible advice. First of all, I don't know that it's really believable because I think Eddie might say, get the hell out, dude, and get your wife and both of you need to get out. And get right. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe Eddie doesn't really believe that. Maybe Eddie really thinks, I don't know, maybe Eddie really thinks that, maybe he really doubts that he, whether he should have left or not. He doesn't, you know, at the end of the episode where he says, I'm Eddie and I was in a cult, I don't know if he really believes it was a cult. I think it's triumphant for the viewer, but not for Eddie. Ah, that's I think we so say, good, Ryan. That's exactly right. I think we watch as people and say, yes, finally, you're out of this thing. But Eddie, I think is it's a little bit more complex. And while we say we yeah. are only doing one podcast at a time, we, we have all the episodes, so we're watching a little bit ahead. I think there's a teaser here to say maybe he's not 100% sure. And that's all I'll say. You know, you're right. You're right because, man, that was really – I said yes when he said that right at the close of that episode. But you're right that it doesn't seem like he maybe really believes it. Or to him, him saying it isn't some great release like you would think it would be. Like I'm crossing some threshold because now I admit that I was in a cult. This you know, show is all about dualities and dichotomies and twos, all these things. So you, you're either in or you're out. It's you almost know, you have like the light or you don't. It's I don't almost, think that yeah. it, it ends on this conclusion. That episode concludes with Eddie saying that. Yeah. Given the complexity of much of the narrative, I don't think it's a definitive answer for the rest of the series. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, you know, you wonder how much he is uh giving into his girlfriend Ashley, you know, and and cuz Chloe. She, oh, sorry, Chloe. Because cuz Chloe's really pushing him to say you were in a cult and you know like you could get custody of your kids. 
because your wife's in a cult. <laughs> yeah. You know? And yeah. that's, I think that's pretty, that's pretty fascinating that she's kind of pushing that angle. So, so let's talk about, to kind of wrap this up, let's talk about the other notion of collateral damage of our ministries. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we see that throughout this whole series, not just in this episode. In fact, what made me think about it was just this moment where the homeless guy is basically evicted where he was squatting because Cal's now the new owner and he walks away in disgust and we don't see it, but he flings a glass bottle at Cal. Yeah. Yeah. And Cal just simply writes it off, right? He just, or just dismisses it. He says, you know, you can't always, you can't win all the time, right? There's somebody's always going to lose, but in doing good, they're, they're doing a lot of harm, both within the movement and outside the movement. Yeah. There's so much, so much of this show this season is based on those dilemmas. You know, like Sarah, does she try to fix the drinking water or does she try to save her son? Cal is like risks the financial future of the movement in order to buy a building in Manhattan so he can help the homeless in that borough. I don't, maybe he's not, they're not in Manhattan. Maybe they're in one of the boroughs, but you know, like he, there's all these trade-offs. There's, there's obviously old loves happening and new loves happening. Do you follow your, you know, do you, Abe is like attracted to um, Nicole and Nicole is attracted to Abe, but are they going to act on it? Or are they not going to act, you know, are they not going to act on it? Um, Everybody's got, you know what I'm saying? Like, but everybody's got, there there are these dilemmas. And the, and the, the one where it's actually articulated most clearly is this one you just mentioned about buying the building and Sarah, you know, he gets a bottle thrown at him um, and uh, Cal does. And then Sarah asks him about it and he makes this line like, there's always a cost. There's always a, um, somebody's always a loser. Yeah. And he doesn't even, he doesn't seem remorseful about that. No. But those of us in the church have known that for years. Like think about the age old debate about taking high school kids on a short term mission trip to, to Tijuana or Juarez or an Indian reservation. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. And you're like, this is really good for these 12 white kids in the church van to go see some real poverty, but yeah. And we'll go to the beach too while we're there. Yeah, exactly. Like we're going to do three days of mission work and then we're actually going to take surfing lessons. Hey, I I went on those trips too, man. And you, you know, like you're, are you doing damage to other people? Yeah. And there's a big one that happens. We'll talk about in the next episode of scapegoating of an innocent person, but like that stuff just happens, right? That, that is so endemic, and it seems like particularly endemic to religion that the only way you get away with stuff like this is is, is scapegoating, right? And I, is it, and I think it's endemic to religion because there's nothing that's happened in the movement. I mean, that I, short of murder that I know of, yeah. that I can't identify having happened in religious communities that I've been part of, right. that I wouldn't classify as cults. Yeah. And if you say it's endemic to religious communities, maybe it's because it's it's under this holy banner, right? 
we yeah. can do this because we're doing it in the name of something bigger. Right, right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's right. You're right. You're, you're always under that guise of like um, it's for the greater good. You know, it's you don't like it, leave, find another place. Ultimately, it's about this utilitarian ethic of like we'll talk about this in our next episode. Which, but like, we see it in episode four with Sarah and the way she's pushing Cal get that exemption. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because why is she doing it? It's for the movement. It's yeah, you're for gonna, the community. You're really I'm hurt. trying to get the money to help these people. Right. You're going to really hurt um, uh, an, this person who used to be part of our community who's an IRS agent. But you know what? It'll help the broader community. So even if you embarrass her and shame her with her old tapes, that'll help. Which, uh, you know, we need this. Yeah. Yeah, she's guilty of a hit and run, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, everybody. Check us out online. Join our Facebook page and uh, follow, watch us the on, show. follow us on Twitter and watch the show. And we'll be back next week uh, talking about episode five and, and um, teaser. We might have a little bit of fun news in the next couple weeks, uh, maybe some interviews. Who knows? Who, Who knows? knows what we might get away with? Who knows? All right. Thanks for listening, everybody, to Killer Serials. My name is Eddie, and I was in a call. All of you have chosen something different. You have the light to shape the world around you. It has become my hope that this will set me free, because I'm haunted. Nothing in my life makes sense. My parents are a mess. Everything's just ripped apart. I will murder you before I let you take him from me. You know all the tactics then. That's my job, knowing what deception looks like. There was a man following us. I won't be blackmailed. Yes, you will. The light provides. It's all very delicate. Your fragile house of lives, it could collapse at any moment. The night is only beginning. Just to